You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that I love this little line. My favorite line in this reading is this one. Not knowing what he said. Peter says, Master, it's good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And this is, this is the author's insertion, not knowing what he said. You can almost feel Luke's embarrassment on Peter's behalf. Luke, of course, didn't travel with Jesus in his earthly ministry. Luke joins the story in the book of Acts, so he learned about these things. He was a researcher, a historian. And he learned from Mark, who he traveled with, who also learned from Peter. So, by the time Luke's writing this story down, the cross and the first Easter are in the past. And Peter's at this scene saying, Let's stay here, Lord. This is great. Let's build a couple of tents and we'll hang out here on top of the mountain. That is, we'll not go to the valley. We'll not go to Jerusalem. We'll not go to the cross. We'll not see salvation for all people. So we can stay here on the mountaintop. I love Peter. Because Peter always gets it wrong. (laughs) I mean, you know, you, you see a story earlier in the gospel. There's a, there's a, uh, oops, look, I didn't put myself back up. The, uh, there's a story, there's, they're out in the boat, and there's this big storm, and they're going to capsize, and they see Jesus walking across the water to them, and um, up comes, up, up he comes. Here comes Peter, says, being precocious, Lord, Lord, tell me to walk to you on the water and I'll do it. And Jesus says, well, come ahead. And Peter gets out of the boat and one, two, And after today's scene, even hearing the voice from the cloud say, this is my son, listen to him, Peter, when Jesus explains that he's actually going to the cross, Peter will look at him and take him aside and say, no, no, no Lord, this is not going to happen. And that's what you have Jesus has to say to him, get thee behind me, Satan. He just heard, listen to him, and he presumes to give advice to the teacher. Peter's always getting it wrong. And even on the night in which Jesus is betrayed, Peter denies Jesus three times. And finally, after the resurrection, at the end of the Gospel of John, we see Jesus recommissioned Peter three times so he could sort of recant all of his betrayals and say, go and feed my sheep. And then when he's told to do that, Jesus goes on up and sends his apostles out and when they get to Corinth, Peter screws it up again. Because he, goes, he bows to congregational pressure to not let the Jews and the Gentiles eat together and Paul has to call him out on it. Peter's always getting it wrong. Kind of gives me hope for me. Wonder at these people that God chooses to serve him. 
Another person. He was a real, real smart guy. Brilliant guy. He um, parlayed that into a career. Went off, to, went off to school, became one of the top philosophers in the world, became a brilliant teacher, and along with that developed some rather dissolute habits. He was kind of a girls, girls, girls kind of guy. And as he went around and lived this life and lived it very well, was well respected and had all the women he could want, he started to realize the futility of the stuff that he was involved in, the futility of the philosophy he believed and taught. And one day as he was sitting in a garden and pardon, just pondering all of what that meant for him, he hears a little child singing, saying, take and read, take and read, take and read. And there sitting beside him on the bench was a copy of the Bible. So he picks it up and starts reading. He comes to faith and becomes one of the greatest Christian teachers of all time. In fact, now I want to say, I, I kind of jumped part of the story. He got there eventually. In the meantime, he had a lot of struggles. His favorite prayer early on in his Christian days was, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. But he became one of the most important teachers of all time. Probably the most important theologian after St. Paul himself in the New Testament. So much so that we're going back and mining his sermons now in the 21st century as we deal with bioethical issues that he anticipated back in the 5th century. That's how brilliant this guy was. His name was Augustine of Hippo. And all of theology since the 5th century has been sometimes described as footnotes to Augustine. Or Augustine, for this guy up front. And let me tell you about another guy. He kind of kept wild company. He was a little strange. A little, little crazy. The kind of company he kept is the kind that got him abducted and held at gunpoint for several hours. And as his life was kind of going on and he had some time to think, especially after a big motorcycle accident, he woke up one morning and thought, you know, I'm a man without a church. I better go find one. When he got into the church, they had a pastor who invited him to participate in everything going on. He kept encouraging him to come to Bible study. Kept encouraging him to come to Bible study. He kept waving him off. Nope, not me. Nope, nope. Finally, he says to the pastor, look, you're not going to make a fool out of me. You know, bring me to that classroom be the only person who doesn't know anything. And the pastor said, all right, all right, I'll back off. Well, a couple months later, he says, look, I knew I wouldn't bring this up again, but <laughs> I think I found a Bible study you could participate in. The only words you'll have to say are when I do roll call, you can say present. <laughs> so he came to that Bible study, and little by little, the word of God starts to get a hold of him. And as the word starts to get a hold of him and his eyes are open to spiritual realities, one day he comes into church and he's seeing things. As he's looking up at the altar, he's seeing things that aren't there. And he, after, he thinks he's losing his mind. He goes into the pastor's office after worship and he says, Pastor, I'm really, I'm really concerned. I saw this presence in the sanctuary and I saw these lights and stuff like this. And, and the pastor starts laughing. Well, I mentioned he was a little rough around the edges. He, uh, he grabbed the pastor by the lapels and hauled him across the desk. <laughs> Brought him face to face and says, I'm losing my mind! And you're laughing at me! 
And the pastor says, I'm laughing because so-and-so was in here a half hour ago telling me she saw the same thing. (laughs) And the Lord kept working on him and working on him and working on him. And little by little, he started to take more leadership roles. And today we're going to ordain him a deacon. What kind of people God chooses to use? <laughs> but the clue to that, the clue to that's in our right in our gospel reading. The word we translate as transfigure from the Greek New Testament is metamorpho. And that word only appears one other time apart from the transfiguration stories in all of Scripture. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, transfigured by the renewing of your mind. Our minds are renewed by the Word of God. Our minds, the patterns we're given in this world, the sinful patterns, the patterns that lead us to destructive behaviors, things that hurt us and hurt the people around us, are little by little changed by the Word of God until we start to discover who we were redeemed to be. See, Jesus became a human being, went to the cross, rose from the dead, not just so that we could go to heaven someday by and by, but so that we could have the joy of discovering who it was we were created and redeemed to be. And so that we could join him on his mission. Luke is embarrassed on Peter's behalf because we're not supposed to stay on the mountain, no matter how exciting the mountain is. We're supposed to go down into the valley and labor alongside of Jesus, down in the trenches, taking care of all those around us. And as his word works on us during that time, become transfigured more and more into his image. His transfiguration revealed who he has always been. Our transfiguration reveals who we really are in Christ, in God's vision. All that remains for us, now that we've been given that great gift, is to say, yes, yes, I want to discover who it is I've been redeemed to be who you really are and grow deeper in my communion with you. I want to join you on your mission, Jesus. Or say, no, no, it's enough that I know you did something. Let us go with Jesus on his mission and be transformed into who we were made and redeemed to be. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we get so anxious in this life, especially about change, even when the change comes from you. Lord, you took on a great change, and you took on our human nature. You took on a great change when you went to the cross and tasted death, who should never have had to taste death. But you did this all for our sake so that we might become more like you, more loving, more caring, more the people we wish we were. Lord, we ask that you strengthen us, give us courage, help us to go forward into the life to which you're calling us. 
Bless us that we might become more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Sleeping, my presence, my light.